I have one thing to say to you. Kiss my fat ass. Hello, all my fellow mourners of diet culture. It is I, Emily Lubin. I am the Grim Reaper and the host of this show. Welcome to RIP Diets, episode 21, baby. We are legal. We can drink. We can party. Good thing we're all locked in our houses. And if you're listening to this on the day that it comes out, which is Friday, October 30th, Happy Halloween. Tomorrow's Halloween. Tonight is All Hallows Eve Eve. For some of us, Halloween is the first of many holidays that are stressful. I wish you all a stress-free Halloween. If you want to eat some candy, eat some candy. I went ham on some candy corn last night. My sister had candy corn and I discovered it. And I swear to God, I haven't eaten candy corn in like five years at least. And I love it so much. It is the most discriminated against candy. And I've honestly had enough. I feel that I need to make a public statement about this. This is a pro candy corn podcast. If anybody writes anything disparaging about candy corn in the Facebook group or really anywhere, I will ban you and I will block you because I just feel like candy corn has really had a rough go of it and just gets a bad rap and I don't quite understand it. I mean, everything about it is so good. The flavor, the fact that it's in three little parts that you can bite off. I mean, super fun. I do love a segmented candy. I love making an activity out of my candy and also the texture. I just love, you know, I guess some people don't like the waxy texture. It reminds them of a candle or something, but hey, I mean, when do you get to eat a candle? So in my opinion, um, it's fucking great. If you like candy corn, go get yourself a bag. Do not tell yourself that you're not going to eat any Halloween candy this year because trick-or-treating isn't happening or, you know, we don't need to buy any because people are probably not going to stop at our house. I don't know what it's like where you live, but if you enjoy the ritual of having some candy on Halloween, get yourself some candy or better yet, wait until the next day when it's all half price and go ham on some Twix bars or whatever it is that you enjoy. Make it an enjoyable experience. Try to have a little fun. We're stuck inside this year. Um, I mean, at least you should be. You should not be going out and, and partying this Halloween. I feel like there will be a fair amount of Halloween COVID cases that we'll be hearing about. But that's neither here nor there. Also... If you're a fan of me, you may listen to my other podcast, The Hot Mess Comedy Hour. But even if you don't, tonight, Friday, October 30th at 8 p.m., I am doing a live podcast for Hot Mess, and we're going live on Zoom at 8 p.m. Tickets are available until 6 p.m. tonight on Eventbrite. Tickets are $15. You can find that link in my Instagram bio. So if you go to my Instagram bio, there's a link tree and I think it's the second link. It says live show October 30th. We will be in full costume. Uh, We'll be talking about our messiest Halloween moments. I think 
if you are staying home this Halloween weekend and you want something spooky to enjoy, some entertainment, some uh, joie de vivre this Halloween, I think it's a great way to celebrate your Halloween. And it's it's 15 bucks. It's an hour of entertainment and then a QA. and a um, And I promise it will be everything you want on Halloween and more. It's been a real wild week preparing for this live show. I've had to record four podcasts this week. I've had plenty of of work to do, my normal workload, of course, but I'm also moving this Sunday. So getting everything ready and making sure that I got everything done. I told myself that if I could get everything that I need to get done, done and be prepared for this move, I would treat myself to something. I'm not sure what it's going to be, but I got to say, I'm just so proud of myself, the way that I've maintained my sanity this week. If you've ever moved before, which I'm sure you have, you know it's super stressful, but the most stressful part is that your life doesn't just get put on hold when you have these big changes to your life and time-sensitive ones at that. And it's just very overwhelming the idea that I need to get everything done and on a normal week, you know, I'm rushing to get things done and I'm I'm worried about not being able to get everything done. So throwing on top of that, having to pack all my belongings and coordinate movers and get furniture and make sure everything's done in time and that internet is installed and cables, it's just a lot. So I thank you guys for being here for me in spirit and consuming my content because this is the only thing keeping me going right now. Also, this week I have been watching my nephews. I don't know. I I think I've mentioned this before, but I watch my nephews a few times a week because since the lockdown, they are not in school. Um, Well, there's a a baby, so he's not in school. But I also have a five-year-old nephew who just started kindergarten aka staring at a screen for half the day and then for the other half the day just thrashing and crying on the floor Uh, and it is a struggle definitely for him to be starting school this way but at the same time he doesn't know the difference really so it's like if he had gone to in-person kindergarten and then first grade he had to do on the computer he would probably be even more of a wreck than he is now and he's adjusting fairly well to it but during the day when I'm with the baby and my other nephews in school I will sometimes watch Sesame Street with my baby nephew and he loves Sesame Street he particularly loves Elmo which ah, you know a lot of kids love Elmo and they give Elmo so much screen time on this show and I can only assume it's because he's one of the most popular characters, if not the most popular character. He has his own segment, Elmo's World. He's always front and center. I cannot fucking stand Elmo. I cannot stand him. I just think Elmo is the most exhausting character and he triggers me, I think. I think the reason why he bothers me so much is because he triggers me because he's always talking about himself. He turns every situation back around on himself. He just comes off as such a narcissist. He even speaks in the third person. You know, he says, Elmo likes uh, parades. Elmo likes going to the dentist. He doesn't ever use the word I 
And yet he's always talking about himself. And yeah, I just can't stand. I really, it, 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 part of it is irrational. I just can't stand the sound of his laughter. I can't stand the sound of his voice. Uh, but my nephew loves Elmo. I personally think Cookie Monster is the best character on the show. Cookie Monster is an original intuitive eating king. He loves cookies and he doesn't ever apologize for it, which I respect a lot. And I try to channel that in my eating. And it's funny because back in 2005, I looked this up uh, because I remember this happening. They changed Cookie Monster to be more quote, sensible, I guess, and acknowledge that a cookie is a sometimes food, which I'm also using in quotes. Um, And there was even a song called A Cookie is a Sometimes Food, where Cookie Monster learns that there are anytime foods, and then there are sometimes foods. And the anytime foods are, you know, your fruits and veggies, and then the sometimes foods were desserts and, and specifically cookies. And I remember hearing about this back in 05 and seeing a clip of this song. If you're looking for something to snack on, for something sweet, you're in the mood. Try an orange or some cherry, try a melon or some berries. Uh Even back then, when I was steeped in diet culture, I thought it was super lame and ridiculous that a puppet on a children's TV show whose entire persona is that he loves cookies should now be the representative for the way that kids should eat. I think kids are smarter than we give them credit for sometimes. And seeing Cookie Monster eating 30 cookies in one sitting doesn't make them want to eat 30 cookies in one sitting. Kids understand that it's meant to be funny. When I watch Sesame Street with my nephews and Cookie Monster is on one and he's devouring all the cookies, my nephews are laughing. It's clearly for comedic effect. They think it's funny. I saw an episode the other day where he goes to count the cookies and because every time they uh, give him a plate of cookies, he counts the cookies, you know, to teach numbers and shit. And there were no cookies on the plate. So he ate the plate. Does that mean that kids are going to start eating plates now? Should we hide all the plates? Do we need to write a song that says plates are a never food? It's just silly. It's silly. Also, you know diet culture is pervasive when it even starts to affect Cookie Monster, okay? Cookie Monster is so pure. He loves cookies. It's in his name. And he should be allowed to love cookies and eat as many cookies as he wants. This is all Cookie Monster has. Anyway, just something I was thinking about because, like, Just because a character on a TV show does something does not mean that a child will necessarily want to. I think we need to give children more credit. I think it's doing them more of a disservice to have Cookie Monster stop and be like, but remember, cookies are a sometimes food because I think it reinforces this feeling that we kind of all have that we love cookies. We have a passion for them. We want to eat all the cookies, but we know we shouldn't. You know, and I don't think that's necessarily helpful to tell a child because it's kind of it's kind of doing the opposite. That is the intention, because the intention is 
to make sure that they know that this is not real, that you shouldn't eat 30 cookies in one sitting or 75 cookies or, or whatever. You shouldn't eat silverware. Yeah, okay, we know. But if you have Cookie Monster break character and start talking about, oh, but I like salads too. Okay, you're, okay, so this whole time you were just going crazy on cookies, which are a sometimes food, and you know you shouldn't do it, but you're doing it. Like, why don't you just keep it as a comedic bit? Because that's what it is. At least that's my perception. You're allowed to have another opinion, but this is my podcast and these are my opinions. Another show that I tuned into this week, I watched, God, I watched seven episodes of this show specifically because my sister said to me, Emily, have you watched Emily in Paris on Netflix? And I had heard of the show and I actually had watched the first five minutes of the first episode and I thought it was so incredibly bad that I couldn't keep watching it. So I turned it off, but then my sister mentioned it to me and she said, yeah, you know, I was thinking of you the whole time because this character, Emily, she... She really is the archetype that you talk about on your podcast of this skinny woman who eats a lot and people comment all the time on how much she's eating. And simultaneously, a bunch of people DM'd me the same thing, that I needed to watch this. It has a lot of problematic things about eating and they're sure I would have something to say about it. I got at least three different DMs about this. Um, And then also my sisters, which kind of put it over the edge and I thought, okay, all right, whatever, I guess I'll waste an afternoon and watch this fucking show. So I watched seven episodes of this show. I took some notes. I will just start by saying I was triggered by this show. I would recommend anybody who is easily triggered not watch this show Because everything that people told me is true. There is a lot of problematic commentary about specifically um, Americans being fat uh, and not having any self-control. And then the main character, Emily, who is played by Lily Collins, who is very thin. And listen, I'm not going to make this about her body because I think the messaging in the show is problematic regardless of what her body looks like. But it is interesting to me that they chose to have such a thin actress. Lily Collins actually um, has spoken publicly about dealing with an eating disorder, which is why I'm not going to make this about her body. Although I do think it does add another level of problematic shit that the actress herself has had an eating disorder and yet is on our screen kind of representing Americans and explaining why we're fat. And this is, I'm speaking in the wording of the show, not my own, but I do think that is problematic. I read an article when I was researching the show in Vogue The article is called, Could a Show Like Emily in Paris Exist with a Fat Protagonist? And um, I was actually shocked that Vogue published an article like this, which I think is fantastic. But it was basically all about how the stereotypes that are presented in the show would be shown in a totally different light with a fat protagonist. And also just the fact that this is a fish out of water story 
Um, and I'll get into that more in a second, but it's a fish out of water story. And yet the main character is in this extremely socially acceptable body. So as much as she is struggling to be accepted in this other culture amongst coworkers that speak a different language, etc., what would it even be like with a fat protagonist and how that would add this whole other layer of complication. So anyway, the show is about a girl, an American girl who works at a marketing firm um, and she is the social media manager. There's also some weird stuff in this show because she apparently knows a lot about social media and yet it has a very 2012 outlook on Instagram and hashtags and you know at, at one point she goes to this influencer lunch and there's this wall of like plants and berries and she picks a berry off the wall and then insta stories herself eating the berry and saying this wall makes me very hungry and then the owner of the company sponsoring this event thinks this is so clever and wants to hire her to be their brand ambassador all because she made a little berry pun that wasn't even that clever wouldn't do well on Instagram in this day and age you really need to step up your game a little bit now on Instagram since it's so saturated but listen I'm not going to bore you with my knowledge of social media and how that works and how it doesn't match up to the storyline I'm just saying they should have made it a little more true to life I think this show is kind of supposed to be an escapism similar to Sex in the City and how Sex in the City did not depict what New York is actually like for the majority of people who live in New York but people would watch that show and see this glitz and glamour of New York City and and it would be a, uh, an escape for them it's the same creator as Sex in the City and the same fashion designer and I noticed that it has a similar problem that Sex in the City did in that the protagonist Emily dresses in Chanel and Dolce & Gabbana and Gucci and all of these crazy expensive brands that a very young, just starting out social media manager would definitely not be able to afford. But again, that's neither here nor there. I want to talk about the way that food and weight are depicted on this show. And I will start out with one of the first scenes of episode one. It might even be the first Paris scene. Emily's boss, her new boss, starts talking to her and asking her why Americans are so fat. And then she even says they need to stop eating. There's a male superior in the room also, and he's either smoking a cigarette or holding a cigarette. And he says, you know, that's why they all have diabetes and that's why they're all so unhealthy. And Emily is quick to point out, very snarky, this Emily. Sounds like another Emily I know. She's quick to point out, you know, smoking can cause diabetes too, and smoking is unhealthy. And he says, oh, yeah, but smoking is for pleasure, you know, implying that eating is not for pleasure. And it's definitely supposed to be played as a joke. But as the series continues, you know, in episode two, she goes to an event for work um, and there are people walking around with passing trays of appetizers and Emily takes an appetizer off the passing tray at which point her boss says oh my god stop eating why are you eating and Emily says I'm so hungry and her boss says so have a cigarette there's a lot of juxtaposition between eating and smoking 
And they're clearly trying to make a point that Europeans are all about the ciggies. You know, they're chain smoking cigs outside a cafe. First of all, almost every episode starts with Emily jogging on the Seine in the same crop top and spandex. And um, I think a younger version of myself would have looked at that and and printed out a picture of her running as Thinspiration and put it on my fridge or on a wall next to my closet or something. I will say she looks fucking fantastic, but she is very, very thin. And I it just rubbed me the wrong way to have somebody representing representing anti-diet culture in a way, or at least opposing this view that the French people on the show have of Americans and the way we eat. So she's jogging on the Seine. This is this is episode three, by the way. She goes to a cafe directly after and she is eating a croissant and then she sees a group of French women hanging outside the cafe smoking and she takes a photo of them without their consent posts it to Instagram and does some sort of corny hashtag like smoking bodies no get it because they're smoking but they're also smoking it's just ridiculous Also, in this episode, the water in her shower cuts out, so she washes her hair in a bidet, and then in the next scene, she still looks flawless. Like, her hair looks like she went to Frederick Fakai and paid $485 on a blowout and a fresh trim. But anyway, I digress. She's also into this guy that lives in her building uh, named Gabriel, and he is a chef. Uh, And they become fast friends. Uh, He has a girlfriend, but that doesn't stop them from making out, obviously. This show is just so predictable. I just can't. I couldn't sustain my attention on it to be completely honest I had to be doing something else while I watched it but she's into the chef uh he for some reason comes over to her office and she gets a package of Trader Joe's peanut butter which I you know I stand Trader Joe's I love the representation but the peanut butter opened and got everywhere and she's really upset about this peanut butter and the French man kind of looks at her with a glimmer in his eye and says you're in Paris now we can find you something better than peanut butter I had to I had to turn it off at this point because I can I just ask you guys uh what does that mean what's better than peanut butter My boyfriend is allergic to peanuts and I still can't quit peanut butter, okay? If some French guy was like, come to my kitchen and I will make you something that is better than peanut butter, I would be like, fuck off. Peanut butter has always been there for me. And what does he make her, by the way? An omelet. Uh, Listen, I love an omelet. I love eggs when prepared correctly, right? But it's not peanut butter. And if she wants peanut butter, she should have peanut butter. That's my opinion on that. Yeah, and I do notice food plays a major role in this show because there's a lot of scenes of them eating at restaurants and commenting on the food. But I will say, I didn't see Emily's character as having a problematic relationship with food. I actually think... Her commentary on the, on food and on weight and bodies was fairly neutral. That's my personal opinion. 
you can reach out to me and let me know what you thought of her character and how she dealt with discussions around food. I'd be very curious to know. But I actually thought it was much more xenophobic and much more a commentary on how the French are so twisted because they're chain smoking cigarettes over here, but they're judging me for eating a piece of cake, which is a stereotype. These are all stereotypes. I do think it's very telling that one of the first scenes was them calling Americans fat. But I don't think that it was a commentary on the fact that Americans are, quote, fat. I think it was more a commentary on, oh, look at the French and how judgmental they are and how they have such twisted ideas about health, which I don't necessarily agree with either. I think there are people on both sides of the spectrum in either country, in France or in the USA or in any other country on the planet. That's what I think. But I do think having Lily Collins in this role, who has struggled with an eating disorder and was even, she was in a movie a few years ago called To the Bone, which I didn't see because I knew it would be triggering for me, but it is about somebody in a treatment center for anorexia. And based on what I heard about it, it was very glamorizing and, you know, not something that I should be watching, especially having just started recovery. But I kind of think Lily Collins needs to go for other roles. And uh, listen, I don't know what it's like to be a Hollywood actress, but if you've struggled with an eating disorder, why are you taking on roles that are so weight focused and need you to be, you know, this fashiony, thin waif of a girl or being in a movie about a treatment center for eating disorders where you you know she had to lose weight for that role which just on a face value I just don't think is very healthy so Lily Collins just know that RIP diet supports you and appreciates you being open and honest about your eating disorder. But think about your roles, girl. Talk to your agent. Talk to your manager. Like, let's see if we can get you a role as, I don't know, like a coal miner, a coal miner. Or (laughs) I was going to say a coal miner's wife. And then I realized that somebody would probably come for me as being like, oh, so you're saying that she can only be somebody's wife in a movie? Because, yes. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just having a rough week and I'm trying to think of things on the spot what if she played a historical figure like Susan B. Anthony or something I just think she needs to go for roles that have nothing to do with her weight that's what I think okay moving on to a listener question this question was emailed to ripdiets at gmail.com, which is the official email address for this podcast. If you have an advice question or just want to reach out to me for any reason, you can write to me there. You can also DM me on Instagram. My handle is Lubination, L-U-B-I-N-A-T-I-O-N, and I love to hear from all of you. I say this every time, but I literally cannot even express how much joy it brings me to hear from you guys. Um, It makes me feel less alone, and it also makes me feel like I'm making a difference in your life and uh, couldn't encourage you guys enough. So let's read the listener question. Hi, Emily. I'm loving RIP diets, and I really love the episode with Mara Merrick where you spoke about having a healthy relationship with exercise and not linking it to what you've eaten that day. 
I have been in recovery for bulimia and exercise bulimia for about a year and a half and have avoided the gym because of how crazy it used to make me feel. This was easy to do during quarantine, but now that gyms are opening back up, I'm interested in trying to start working out again, but I don't want to become obsessed with it. I have found it really hard in the past to not have an all or nothing mentality when it comes to the gym. If I go one day a week, I think, well, what was the point of even going one day? You might as well go zero days. And I just generally feel like I'm never doing enough. Have you dealt with that mentality? And if so, how did you overcome it? Thanks for the podcast and all that you do, Lizzie. Ugh, Lizzie, girl, have I dealt with this? I absolutely have. I think we all deal with an all or nothing mentality um, when it comes to exercise and also when it comes to food. It's very easy to tear yourself apart and think that you're not doing enough, but a healthy relationship with exercise, for me at least, means that A, I do not link exercise with making my body different or losing weight, I link it more to how it makes me feel and how it feels to achieve small goals in exercise and have a routine and give me more energy, etc. I also do genuinely love getting stronger. But as I explained in the Maramaric episode, which if you haven't heard it, go back and listen to it. It was posted on July 24th um, and it's called Exercise and Build Body Confidence. Um, and I believe I said it on that show, but I have a very loose relationship with the gym. I love working out. I love going to the gym. It's definitely a part of my life. But it's a very small part of my life. And I definitely used to fall into the trap of thinking there's no point of exercising only one day a week. You have to be exercising at least three or you have to be exercising for at least an hour. You're not getting anything out of your workout. Yada, 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 yada. Bullshit. There is no time minimum or maximum that you should be exercising. There is no should. It really is up to you, and I actually think in order to have a healthy relationship, you should not keep track during the week like, oh, I only went one day. I really should go another day. You should do what feels good for you. I went to the gym today for a half an hour, and I left, and today I had a uh, work priority that I needed to get to. Otherwise, I probably could have stayed longer. But sometimes I go into the gym, I have a little workout, and then I'm done after 20 minutes. I want to leave, so I leave. And there's nothing wrong with that. There's absolutely nothing wrong with only working out for 20 minutes if that's all that you feel you can do. And there's nothing wrong with maybe going once a week and staying for two hours if that's what feels good to you. Once you take weight loss out of the equation and you've taken wanting to burn off everything you've eaten out of the equation, you will find that the gym is a place where you can go and build stamina and build strength and feel good about yourself. And it's not going to feel like the prison that it feels like when you are so addicted to the gym, because I definitely have been there in the past and I never wanted to go back there again. I commend you for taking a break from the gym. I've spoken about this before, but I took a long break from the gym probably about the same as you actually, a year and a half, two years. I found it very beneficial just to have that break. 
to know that I won't burst into flames if I don't go to the gym. I have the option at the end of the day, whatever I want to do. Just keep tabs on yourself. If you find yourself going to the gym and um, and slowly you feel that you need to go more and more and more, it might be time for another break. Um, we don't need to have this all or nothing mentality like, okay, I am a person who goes to the gym now and now I go three days a week for an hour and a half and that is my, that is my time at the gym. Or, oh, um, if I only went for 20 minutes, that means I have to do double time tomorrow. No, 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 no. There is no need to be obsessive about exercise because exercise is supposed to make you feel good. And I don't know about you, but personally for me, it doesn't feel good to be so addicted to something that I can't go a day without it, without feeling awful about myself and ripping myself to shreds. To me, that's not healthy. So I think it's it's the same as anything else. Just keep tabs on it. Keep tabs on how it makes you feel and don't try to do too much at once. If you think it might make you feel good to just go for 20 minutes one day to see how it jives with you and to see how you feel going back to the gym and getting readjusted to working out, go for it. And it will slowly become easier and easier, especially if you're doing the other work of intuitive eating and really being self-aware about how you're using these things and if you're using them in a harmful way. And that's the podcast, you guys. I am on Patreon. I just created a Patreon and I'm going to be posting a lot of content on it that you guys are really going to like and it will be the perfect complement to this podcast. This is how it's going to work. For $6.99 a month, that's right, $6.99. I mean, if you go to brunch, your two eggs and a piece of toast and a couple pieces of bacon will cost more than the monthly subscription on Patreon, just to put it in perspective. So for $6.99 a month, you will get an extra episode every month, either in the form of a podcast or a vlog. Ooh, I'm a vlogger now. I'm a YouTuber. God, this is kind of like my way of fantasizing being a YouTuber. I make vlogs now. And additionally... When season one is over, which is going to be November 27th, season one of RIP Diets will come to an end. There will be a five-week break before season two, which is going to be on January 1st. Happy New Year. During those five weeks, you will get a weekly episode in the form of a podcast or a vlog on Patreon. What a perfect time to join because we all know during the holidays we can use all the extra support that we can get. I am going to be that support for you. I am going to be your pillar of strength. I am going to be showing you full days of eating. I'm going to be ranting about celebrity body shaming. I'm going to be talking about what I'm watching and what I'm reading. And I'm going to be giving you tips and answering advice questions related to intuitive eating, body positivity, and health at every size. So I just think this is a deal that you cannot pass up. So to find out more about that and more specifics, go to patreon.com slash RIP diets. And I hope to be in touch with you over the holidays. Once again, we have a Facebook group for RIP diets. It's called RIP dieters. You can type it into the search bar. It'll pop right up and then you have to request to be added. Um, and I will add 
anybody who wants to be in the group, I just ask that you keep it a safe space free of body shaming. And we have not had a problem in there. I absolutely love the group and I love what all of you are sharing and how supportive you are of each other. I just think it's great. I am absolutely in love with this community that I am building off of this podcast Slide into my DMs. I'm Lubination, L-U-B-I-N-A-T-I-O-N on Instagram or email me at RIPDiets at gmail.com. That's it. I will see you next Friday. Have a fabulous week. <laughs>